Littlefoot. Quickly, come here. Look, up there. A tree star. It is very special. help you grow strong. Where we are going, there are so many of these leaves. Come along. <laughs> the Great Valley is filled with green food like this. More than you could ever eat. Have you ever seen the Great Valley? things you see with your eyes others you see with your heart <sighs> i don't understand mother <laughs> you will my son you will man mother dinosaur gives some good advice there there are things that you see with your eyes and there are things that you see with your heart speaking of which it is so very good to see all of you here tonight what a nice night to worship outside on huh Am I right? Come on, let's give God some praise for that. My name is Danny. I'm the campus pastor at Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos. Um, and I also want to welcome in some very special guests tonight uh, who are joining us from Iowa City. And they are tuning in from an iPad that's right there. As you know, uh, you may know anyway, uh, we have a second campus. Uh, we had a second campus last year at Kairos. That was in Iowa City. We have a third campus this year in Des Moines. Um, uh, and so that's really exciting. Like, praise God for how this is growing and, and just like reaching people. I think it's pretty cool. But on the count of three, because Iowa City's joining us tonight, I want you to say as loud as you can, what's up, Iowa City? One, two, three. We love you so much, Iowa City. Nobody touch that iPad, because... Who knows what'll happen? Well, anyway, like I said, my name is Danny. I'm the campus pastor. I'm so glad to be with you here. Before we get started, just want to do something really quick. Uh, we're going to do a thing called a mask check. Everybody say mask check. Yeah, it's something we got to do these days. So whether you're in Iowa City or you're here today, go ahead and turn to the person next to you and just give them a signal. So you're like, yeah, I'm wearing my mask. If you don't have a mask with you, no worries. We have masks. Raise your hand. And uh, we, got, we got a nice fella in the back there who's able to hand those out. Just make sure that you keep those on um, so that we can stay safe um, and, uh, and avoid spreading uh, this terrible virus that we really, really want to go away. So in that clip, Mother Dinosaur says to her son, Littlefoot, there are some things that you see with your eyes and some things that you see with your heart. It's very wise. I think that it goes nicely into our series that we're kicking off tonight. It is called Faith Actually. Faith Actually is the series we're kicking off this school year with. And actually is a, it's a powerful word, isn't it? Actually. It's kind of a power move when you use it. You use actually when you're trying to emphasize something that happened. Like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. I was laughing so hard, I actually cried. Like, I actually cried. Maybe you use the word actually when you're trying to correct somebody. Somebody asks you, hey, so you go to the University of Iowa. And you're like, no, actually, I go to Iowa State or vice versa, wherever you might go. We're all friends. We all love each other. 
actually, it's a powerful word. Actually is a word that points to truth about something that might've been misunderstood in the past. And faith actually is a word that I think is oftentimes misunderstood. And so as we go into this school year, we're asking two questions about faith. How do I actually have faith? Let me rephrase that question. What does faith actually look like? What does faith actually look like? And then the second question is, what difference does faith actually make? Let's hop into that as we go into the school year. If you're ready, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm ready. Half of you are ready. The other half of you, you're about to be ready. I promise we're getting there. Faith actually. See, faith is actually a word that I do think is misunderstood sometimes. Sometimes we think when we hear the word faith, we think of something that is blind trust. It's mind numbing. I have to ignore everything around me in order to get this feeling so I just feel all right for a moment. But that's not what faith is. Maybe sometimes you find yourself in a circle of people who would consider themselves religious and you've had something go bad in your life and they say, well, you just need to have some faith. And if you just had some faith, well, then everything in your life would be going fine. Well, that's actually not what faith is either. The book of Hebrews, as you heard tonight, it defines what faith actually is. Hebrews chapter 11, it says this about faith. It says this, uh, perfect, there he goes. Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance in things that we cannot see. Faith is actually much more powerful than a mind-numbing, uh, ignorant kind of feeling that just gets you through the day. It's also not something that if I just muster up enough, my life is gonna be completely perfect. No, it is, I'm looking into the unknown, but I'm confident for what I hope for. And I'm assured about the things that I cannot see. Or as Littlefoot's mother would have said, there are things you see with your eyes, but there are things that you see with your heart too. And that's faith. That's faith. And how do we get there? How do we get to that place of faith? How do we get to that intersection in life where we have to make a decision? I have to go one way or another, and I have to have this faith in order to go somewhere. Maybe it's not an intersection. Maybe you're like on the edge of something. When I was a child, um, I went to Dis uh, Discovery Zone Kids, also known as DZ Kids. Um, you guys probably would not know what that is because I think it was shut down by the time that you all were born, and it makes sense to me why it was shut down. As a six-year-old, I could climb jungle gyms that were like 85 feet tall and then climb up to this zip line type uh, construction and I would just zip my way down. You wonder why they went out of business, right? Like lawsuits waiting to happen. But one day, as I'm getting to the top of the jungle gym, this jungle gym that I've been to many times before, and I'm getting to the top, this top that I've been to before, and I've gone down this zip line, and I felt fine before, I get to the top and something happens that day. The kid in front of me let out a shriek that I had never heard before. He gets to the edge of this thing where, you know, you hold on to the thing and, and you just, I mean, it's really like 15 feet long, then you drop and do, a, and do a bag of pillows and then you just run off and you do it again. And I get to the top and this kid in front of me, he goes and he just lets out a, I don't, I don't know if he was actually scared or if that was excitement, but something happened. And it made me wonder. It made me wonder for a moment if I was okay. I wondered. See, faith starts with wondering. 
But that wondering can go in two different ways. Sometimes wonder is used in a very positive way, right? It's used as, oh, the wonder of it all. Oh, I, I wonder what my, what my future spouse is going to be like. Oh, I, I wonder how much, how much my family's going to love me when I come home and they've missed me. I just wonder. But then at the same time, wonder can also be turned into a negative thing. I'm starting to wonder if I'm going to be okay. I'm starting to wonder about the things that I cannot see. Look, faith implies that there will be things that we cannot see. Let's emphasize on this part of the verse on the next slide here. It says, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And when we cannot see, we start to wonder. But when that wonder starts to go to a negative place, oftentimes it goes from wondering to wandering. Nice plan, words there, right? You go from wondering to wandering. It goes from, I wonder how wonderful this is gonna be to, I wonder if I'm gonna be all right. And that's where I found myself that day on the top of the jungle gym. I, I, do, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a place you've even been before. But now your eyes are open to things around you. You think, well, see, that's it. See, faith, in order to jump, in order to have that leap of faith, you'd have to numb your mind. You'd have to close yourself off to the things around you. No, no, you don't. Let's go to the first part of the verse. It says this, it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for will actually happen. Because when you get to that place, how do you, how do you jump? How do you get confident? I mean, what is faith? Faith is going from a place of hoping so to believing that it actually will be so. But how do you cross that bridge from hope so to be so? How do you actually have faith when you cannot see the things in front of you? How do you have that hope? Well, I'm standing at the top of that jungle gym, right? And I'm getting ready. I kind of psych myself up. And right before I'm about to turn around, I hear a familiar voice from the bottom of the place where I'm going to drop into the, billow, into the pillows, I, I hear, Daddy, don't worry, I've got you. It's my dad's voice. It was a voice that was telling me, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay because I can catch you. Oh, and there was risk in it. There was totally risk in it. I mean, what if my dad tripped while I'm going down? I, I don't know. But I had this reason to believe because of my history with my dad, because of my relationship with my dad, I could reason, not numb my mind, I could reason that even though I cannot see exactly what the future holds, I've got faith. I've got faith about what might happen. And look, it happens in way more serious situations than standing at the top of a jungle gym at DZ Kids, doesn't it? I mean, how in the world do you get from hope so to believing that it really will be so in any place in life? Maybe when you're wondering about, I have this hope that I'm gonna get this job someday. I have this hope that I'm gonna get my internship. I have this hope that someday I'll get married. I have this hope that someday I'll just have a date. I just hope that someday I'll have a friend to be there with me. Well, how do you get from hope so to be so? It's using reason. It's thinking about it but it's when somebody speaks to you. It's when the boss looks back at you and says, you're hired. It's when that date looks back to you and says, I'll go. It's when that friend shows up and says, I'm here. 
I think that we cross the bridge from hope so to believing that it really will be so, from hope so to be so, when there's someone in our lives who can speak over the situation that we're in and say, you're gonna be okay. Maybe not everything around you will be okay, but you'll be okay. This starts to redefine the way that we think about faith. Because here's what faith is not. Faith is not mustering up some sort of force within yourself and I just have to have enough faith. And if I have enough faith, then it's coming from me and then I'll convince God to do everything that I want in life. I'm just gonna do that. I'm gonna muster up enough faith. But as we know, that doesn't always happen. It doesn't work out like that. Faith isn't a verb. Instead, in the Greek, here's what it is. Faith looks like this in the Greek. It's, it's a word and it's pronounced pistis. Everybody say pistis. Watch your language. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, pistis is the word for faith. But it also means trust. And it also means persuasion. Interesting, isn't it? Faith. Trust. I'm persuaded. I have reason to believe that even though I cannot see everything in front of me, I might be okay. Faith is not a verb. Faith is not something that I muster up to convince God of something. It's a hope that I hold on to. It's something that God gives to us. And when we're in touch with that faith, we start to walk with God. We start to see things. A lot of times we think I have to see things before I can have faith. But again, let's go to the first part of this verse and it says we can have confidence. Confidence isn't asking God, hey God, you're going to have to show me A, B, C, and D before I move. Have you ever been in one of these situations, one of these prayers with God? We were talking to God and you say, hey, uh, God, I am going to go over and I'm going to talk to that person who looks like they're having a rough day. Um, if you send 12 doves down to the ground who are then going to eat a seed that I've planted right there and then they're going to pick it up, do a little kind of like synchronized circular dance on the way up, then they'll go up and then I'll know it's you. That, that's not faith, that's superstition. That's not what the Bible has to say about faith. Faith says there's confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Let me say, let me say this. Sometimes we're waiting for, faith, for signs to produce faith. God, give me this sign and then I'll move. God, give me this sign and then I'll apply for that job. I'll apply for that internship. God, give me this sign. Then I'll go up and talk to that person. God, give me this sign and then I'll make friends with that person. Signs don't produce faith. Instead, signs are affirmation of faith. Maybe the sign that we're looking for is, God, I'm here and I'm in the unknown and I see that person, I see that they're struggling. Oh, I do not know where this is gonna go. I'm terrified. What if they don't like me? What am I doing? I'm walking up to them. I'm sitting down. Hey, I'm here for you today. There was no sign. God, why did I do this? A couple months down the road, you have this beautiful friendship with someone who supports you and you support them and God says, see, there's your sign. See, you followed me. You followed me. Signs affirm our faith. It's wonderful. This is what gives us confidence. This is what gives us hope. Because there is a God who looks at us and says, I'm inviting you to jump. I'm inviting you to take that leap. And while everything around you might not be okay, there might be scary things along the path. I'll be with you. And you will be okay. Isn't that cool? 
Check it on this next slide here. I want, I, want, I want to see what the rest of Hebrews 11 says about this. It said this. You heard this in the reading tonight. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now, who in the world is the author of Hebrews talking about? The author of Hebrews here is talking about people in the Old Testament, and he's about to go on, and he's about to list off all sorts of people. We're talking Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Esau, and maybe some names that if you grew up in church, you heard these names. But he starts to list off these people, and he's listing off these people to say, hey, if they had faith, you can have faith too. And this is where I open my Bible, and I'm like, oh, perfect. I've been trying to figure out, how can I muster up the faith? How can I have hope? How can I believe in the things that I cannot see? The author of Hebrews is like, oh, don't worry. It's so easy. Look at the people of old. People have been doing this forever. Are you ready? Are you ready? So he says, all right, let's start with Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham is this guy who lived in the Old Testament. Abraham was an old guy when we meet him in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is at the beginning of your Bible. Abraham is this old guy and he has a wife and her name is Sarah. And they've been together for a long time and they've never been able to have children. And in these days, we might think, well, that, that, that's really sad. If, if they wanted to have children, that, that's really sad that they didn't. But in those days, it was especially sad because in those days, your legacy was everything and your legacy was your name. And if you could not pass your name down to your next generation, you were considered a failure. And people would have looked at Abraham and said, huh, life really passed you by. And this is where we meet Abraham. And the Bible tells us that Abraham moved forward in faith. He moved forward in faith. Because God promised Abraham, he said, hey, listen, Abraham, I know that the rest of the world sees you and they think that you're old and withered away and there's nothing left for you to live for. But Abraham, I promise you this, I will make you into a great generation. I will make you into a great nation. I will give you so many descendants, you couldn't even count them. Abraham, I'm going to make your name famous. Abraham, just trust me, walk in faith. And the Bible tells us that Abraham walked in faith. Now, I think that the author of Hebrews brings that up to us because who here had ever heard of Abraham before I just said his name? Probably a lot of us, right? Whether you grew up in church or grew up outside of church, you maybe know somebody named after Abraham. You've heard this name, Abraham. And God promised Abraham, I'm gonna make your name great. I'm going to make your name great. Abraham, I know that you're looking into the unknown. I know that you're looking at the things that you can't see. And I know that it scares you. But Abraham, I have the power and the authority over your life to say maybe not everything will be okay, but you will be okay. Abraham, I'm the God who keeps my promises. Come on, Abraham, jump. Follow me, Abraham. And by the time that Abraham died, he still wasn't famous. He had children. But Abraham was the father of this group of people, uh, the Israelites, the early Hebrews in the Old Testament, God's people. They were nobodies. There were no names. They were weak. They were a tiny little nation. When Abraham died, his name wasn't great. When Abraham died, he could have counted his descendants. And yet 4,000 years later, Half the world knows who he is. Listen, I don't care how TikTok famous you get. I don't think anybody's going to know who I am or you are specific, maybe 4,000 years from now. God is a God who keeps his promises. 
the author goes on. It's not just for Abraham. You also see it with Isaac. You also see it with this guy named Gideon who had 300 soldiers and he was walking into this battle outnumbered 200 to one and somehow he wins because God said, you just trust me. Just trust me. You can be persuaded because of my record. You can be persuaded because I am the God who tells you, you will be okay. Maybe not everything around you, but you will. And somehow miraculously Gideon wins. Years later, we hop back into the time after Jesus. The early Christian church, they had no business going up against the Roman Empire, which they had to do in order to survive. The early Christians, again, they're nobodies. The Roman Empire, they are somebodies. They're huge. Not to mention early Christians are coming out of a religious establishment that wanted them all dead. And somehow they survive. How? They respond to the one who calls them in faith. And so at the end of this chapter, uh, or at the end of this passage, I love how the author of Hebrews just has this mic drop moment. I mean, how much more do I need to say? This is the God who keeps his promises. This is the God who keeps his promises. And sure, maybe you can't see everything. That's okay. The author of Hebrews also says this about the way that the world is created. He says, look, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. He's like, hey, look, everything in your life is a result of something you can't see. We all get it. We all know what it's like to look into the things we can't see and be like, ah, how am I gonna get through this? You're like programmed to do this. You are programmed to do this. Your body is created to go into the unknown. Since the time that I started talking about 20 minutes ago, did you know that your body has reproduced almost 2 billion cells? What? Programmed to do this. Because there is a God who created you, and this God always keeps his promises. I mean, do we want to get down to the real core definition of what faith is? Faith is believing that there's a God who exists and that God keeps his promises. That God keeps his promises. And it takes us across the bridge from hope so to believing that it will be so. He calls you. He doesn't promise that everything's gonna be okay, but he promises that you will be okay. And if you're like me, maybe you've had moments in your life where you ask God for something and you don't get that. And maybe you start to feel discouraged and it's easy to feel discouraged about yourself and start to blame yourself and start to think, well, I didn't have enough faith, did I? Well, how does Jesus respond to people who maybe don't have enough faith? Does it rely on us? Does our safety, does our okayness depend on the amount of faith that I can muster up? Jesus had been hanging around with his disciples for three years when he's having his last dinner with them. And at the end of this night, Jesus is going to be betrayed and he's going to be arrested. They're going to hand him over to the authorities and he knows that he's going to die. And Jesus has been hanging out with these guys for three years. This is the biggest night of Jesus's life. And these guys, you'd think they would know what's about to happen. And so Jesus starts to assure them. He's like, listen, you guys, things are going to start changing now. I'm going to be taken away and it's going to look like there's no future. It's going to look like when you see your life ahead, it will be completely dark and there's nothing to see. But take heart. He's promising them, I've overcome the world. I have the authority. 
to say maybe not everything will be okay, but you will be okay. And you'd think his disciples would be like, oh yeah, come on, preach the word, Jesus. We really feel this. Come on now, come on, Jesus. But no, there's Philip. Philip looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, you're gonna have to show us the Father. You're gonna have to show us these promises. You're gonna have to show us God. Because right now my faith does not feel like it's enough. What do you mean? Have assurance in things we can't see. What do you mean? Hope for the things that I really believe in. How? The things you're telling us lead me to no faith. Jesus, come on, you've got to give me something here. Show us. Philip says, Jesus, show us. I want to emphasize this word show here. See, show is, um, it's a command for us to be able to see something with our actual eyes. And that's what Philip is asking for here. The word that he uses in Greek is a word that says, I need to physically see it. That's a lot of us in faith sometimes. I'm going to have faith until it gets a little bit uncertain, but then you're going to have to show me. And, And then I'll go. Philip's really struggling in faith. But how much faith does Christ need to do something? When Philip says this to Jesus, Jesus doesn't look back at me and goes, oh man, you didn't get it. I can't go die on the cross now. You don't get it. Uh, Sorry, Philip, you blew it for everyone. Your faith, I guess. No, no, Jesus says, Philip, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Philip, you're already seeing it. I'm gonna do this. You're going to be okay. I am going to save you. I am going to help you. I am going to be there for you. And maybe not everything around you will be okay, but you will be okay. Jesus is inviting Philip from hope so to believe that it will be so by saying, you've already seen it. But we know that faith is seeing things with our heart. And it's funny, in English, we've got words like seen and show, and they mean the same thing. But in biblical Greek, it's actually a little more complicated than that. Jesus uses this word, and it's horao. Everyone say horao. Now, Philip used a word that said, I want to see with my physical eyes. But Jesus uses a different word for see, and it's horao. And it means to understand or to see with your heart. Huh. And how beautiful is that? To have that kind of deep connection with somebody. That kind of deep connection with somebody where if, even if I don't see with my eyes, I see and I trust with my heart. Man, that'd be living, wouldn't it? I'd be living. Jesus assures us, you can believe that you see more than you think you do because your heart, your heart sees me. And even when your faith is withering down and withering away, I'm still here. But Jesus still goes back to reason with us because faith is persuasion, isn't it? And so it says this at the end of their conversation. Jesus says, hey, listen, at least, 
at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. Philip, look at our history. Let that persuade you. Let that give you confidence. Let that be your faith. Philip, then you're going to see things you never thought you'd see in a way you never thought existed. Philip, there is a God and God always keeps his promises and that God is so much closer to you right now than you can possibly imagine. So much closer. And I invite you not just to know about this God, but to to instead know this God and not to just know this God, but to know that you know this God. I think there's a lot of us out there who know about God, but I wanna invite us to take that next step to now really know God, to see God, to see God come in the person of Jesus Christ and say, I'm closer than you know. I'm closer than you think. Here I am. See me. And maybe we're starting to get to that place like, okay, well, yeah, I'm starting to have some faith. I'm starting to start to feel things out. Okay, Jesus, it's you and me and we've got this together, all right. But you still don't feel safe. You're still not sure about those steps. I'm at the edge here. If if I take one more, you have to catch me or I'm falling. But really, I don't know if you're going to catch me. I, I, I know you, but I don't know that I know you. But Philip is a guy who's not getting it. And he spent three years with Jesus. And that doesn't stop Jesus from saying, hey, Philip, I'm going to be there anyway. What makes us think he won't do the same for us? Because here's the thing. I mean, like, we, we have these fears when we're little, but sometimes those fears grow up with us, don't they? You know, I'm standing at the top of that thing, you know, and trying to jump, but I can't jump until I hear my dad's voice. But, but then I grow up and what if I can't hear my dad's voice at the bottom of that? What if it's something else? So this summer, um, I was on my honeymoon with my, with my wife, Abby, and we're in Colorado Springs and we did a zipline tour. Kind of like an extreme version of the zipline tour that I had at DZ Kids when I was like really little, right? So I'm going through it, we're having a blast, this is great. And then we get to this last adventure of the ride or of the tour. And it's called uh, the Power of Tower or the Tower of Power, which is pretty intimidating. And when we get to the Tower of Power, I realize that this tower has much more power than I'm ready to let it have. See, the Tower of Power is this 70 foot tower where you stand on the edge and you're just supposed to jump like, what? No, you're not going to do that. And uh, Abby goes first because I'm a gentleman, right? And right before she's going, I'm like, Abby, don't, and she, she does not want to do this, right? She does not want to do it. She's like, Abby, come on. You just got to see it from where I'm seeing it right now, you know? You're going to be fine. The guy just jumped before us. I mean, he basically went head first and he's good. So I'm like, all right, we're going to count down from three. And we're like, three, two, one. And she doesn't jump. She's like, no. I'm like, no, really. You just got to see it like I see it right now. You're, you're going to be fine. She jumps and she lets out the, ah! But she was okay. And now I'm like, okay. All right, baby, time to show you what's up. And so I get to the edge. 
And I went from wondering about how beautiful it might be, my mind really starts to wander because I see the world around me. And I see what's below me. And I don't necessarily see how the future is gonna work out. I mean, I'm supposed to jump off this thing and I just have this one little rope that's gonna catch me. And so in that moment, I decided my wife is going to have to accept the fact that I'm a failure until the guy who's at the top of the tower with me, he goes, hey man, you just gotta jump. You just gotta jump. My faith was zero, it felt like in that moment. But I just had to jump. And so I, and the rope caught me. And I very gently placed my feet on the ground. And I look at Abby and she says, yeah, you're real tough, huh? Just see what I see, you know? And um, you know what's funny? When I was full of faith at the top, I was gonna be okay when I jumped. And when I was empty on faith at the top, I was still okay when I jumped. Your safety does not depend on how much faith you can muster up. It depends on Christ. So the author of Hebrews invites us, here's how you have faith. Here's how you go from hoping so to believing that it will be so. You keep your eyes, maybe not your physical eyes, but the eyes of your heart. You keep those on Jesus your champion who initiates and perfects your faith, whether it's at, whether it's at an all-time high or an all-time low. See, because of, the, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. What was his joy? What was awaiting him? The author of Hebrews says, all right, keep the eyes of your heart on Jesus. Your physical eyes, they won't see it, but your heart has the ability to see something. Well, what does our heart see? Well, our heart sees Jesus and our heart sees Jesus with his eyes of his heart on something. But what is that something for him? What is the joy that was awaiting him? You see, Jesus, he was in heaven for all of existence. Jesus wasn't just born out of nowhere. It tells us that Jesus and the Father, they'd been together forever. Jesus had existed in perfect glory. He never had a bad day. He never had a moment where he had to wonder, am I gonna be okay? He had perfect joy, but now he comes down to earth and it tells him there's a joy awaiting him. Well, what was that joy? What did the eyes of his heart look at? Was it, was it honor in heaven with his father? No, he already had that. Was it some sort of reward? He had all the reward. What was the joy that was awaiting him? What did he keep the eyes of his heart on? You. Me. It's the one thing he didn't have. It's the one thing he didn't have. I'm in hope so right now and I'm trying to get to be so. The one who's inviting you across that bridge is Jesus. And he's not taking his eyes off of you. There are no guarantees in this world, none. Kind of frustrating sometimes. 
but you will never have to wonder if God loves you, if his eyes are on you. Listen, you might not see God, but God sees you. He's not taking his eyes off you. So jump. How much faith does it take? Just enough to jump. He will catch you. You don't have to wonder about that. Have faith. Amen.